Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Struggling with fear or anxiety because of the coronavirus? Well, today I'm going to tell you the difference between the two and give you solutions to overcome both of them. Welcome to the Heal the Hurt podcast, where we will focus on actionable takeaways that ignite real change, takeaways that give us the skills, tools, and knowledge so we can understand not just why things aren't working, but more importantly, how to change them. That's the power of self-mastery, the power of personal dependence, the power of being a leader in our own personal development. That's the power that comes from Heal the Hurt. The first place we have to start is to define the difference between stress and anxiety. And stress is a response to something immediate. It's an emotional response in the moment. So it's like turning a corner and there's a snake and you have a deep emotional reaction right there in the moment. All right. Anxiety is different. Anxiety has nothing to do with the moment. What's happening is moments from the past are being brought in to the current moment. So say you're watching TV um, and you're enjoying your favorite show and all of a sudden your heart starts beating and you start sweating or you start, you just get overwhelmed with fears of what this virus might do. All of a sudden a thought pops into your head and your body, you start having a reaction. So the difference is, is stress is current in the moment. Anxiety is brought from the past and gets commingled with the current moment. And so what people are struggling with, whether it's the, you know, the stress reaction to the coronavirus or the anxiety reaction to the coronavirus is really a lack of emotional coping skills. Now, it's always healthy to have a fear reaction to something unknown or new. Uh, but in both of these cases, people are getting overrun by them. Their emotions are taking over. And so the stress response is actually external because we're getting this information. Maybe it's from the news or our friends or something like that. And so it's new information that our brain doesn't have a neural pathway, an emotional subset that's already experienced this. And so it, it's immediately reacting to that. Um, the anxiety is different. That's actually self-activated. We're actually doing that to ourselves. Now, this isn't to disparage anybody, but um, I'm going to get into why we do that. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's a trauma response is really what it is. Both in a way, our anxiety is much more trauma-based. But before I do that, I, I want to explain a little bit about how your brain works so you understand what's happening to you, okay? So the first thing you have to realize is all the information we ever take in, 
see it, touch it, smell it, taste it, hear it. It hits um, our thalamus. That's actually the emotional center of our brain. That's when one of the misconceptions with so, many, so much of the information in this industry is they want you to think different. Well, we process on an emotional level before we ever process on a thought level. And so it hits our thalamus and it, I'll stay out of all the intricacies, but it basically goes to all of these emotional centers and pulls information from previous emotional experiences. Now, if our brain has never had this experience, like the coronavirus, we don't know, it immediately triggers our amygdala. See, the way our amygdala works is it doesn't know right from wrong. It knows known versus unknown. And so somebody having a stress, which is a fear reaction, their amygdala is going, oh no, I don't know what this is. I have no emotional um, uh, memory stored inside me to know what to do in this situation. So it's very similar to turning a corner and finding a snake. That's basically what the coronavirus is to our amygdala. It's just immediately firing. Well, that when that happens, because our brain, like I said, doesn't know right from wrong, known versus unknown, it doesn't know it. It creates the fight, flight, or freeze response, which shuts off blood flow to the front of our brain. Cognition, that's thinking. That's why trying to change your thoughts is a waste of time. What we need is a solution that helps us with what we feel. We have to get into those deeper layers of our thalamus, hippocampus, other things like that, which I'll get into in a second, to give us an emotional reaction that allows us to get into thought. Because right now, if you're in fear or anxiety, the thoughts you're playing actually aren't about the current moment. They're about previous moments that you've already categorized in a uh, fearful, negative way. And so you're, the thoughts you're having are replaying all of those old events. And so we need to give that part of your brain new information so that it has new events to catalog. And that's one of the solutions to calming down the fear. So once, we, once our amygdala gets hit, the next place it goes is our hippocampus, all right? Our hippocampus is where we store all of our memories, all right? And, and where we store our memories are actually physically in our body. And this is, now you're going to understand why that anxiety reaction happens. Because see, what's happening is you're laying on the couch is traumatic moments from your past that have never been processed. Those get stored in your body. That's actually what causes illness and disease, all right? That's one of the things people don't realize is, um, we're not we're not given the correct information about you know everyone tries to say illness and disease is genetic there's nothing we can do about it and uh, I'm happy to see Cigna Cigna is the only insurance company that's trying to fight back against that they're getting into they're starting to tell the truth about what causes illness and disease they started running a commercial advocating that all of their um, uh, members of their health plan talk to their doctors about their emotional level and what's going on emotionally whenever they come in if they're sick or hurt because it's just proven we get sick and hurt because of where we are emotionally and it's trapped emotional trauma and so what happens is is that hippocampus and the neural pathways the feeling of that emotion gets processed and runs so many times that eventually a part of our body breaks down it's actually a signal 
And there are correlations. I don't have time to get into it, but there are correlations. If I know if your shoulder's hurting, you're carrying the weight emotionally for somebody. It all ties into the, the parts of our body will tie into the illness, disease, injury that we're having. And so once we go process that emotional event, um, the illness, disease, injury generally goes away. All right. Uh, I've had tons of success with clients with cancer and shingles and many other things that went, they've been to all the doctors and everything, taken all the pills. And once we dealt with the underlying emotional event, that's when this, the, the illness uh, cleared away. So what's happening, especially this is the hippocampus is important for the person struggling with anxiety. The reason is this, what's happening is, is you sit there and, and do absolutely nothing and get that anxious fear response is your body is screaming at you. You've been through traumatic events in your past. You please go deal with them because those are surfacing. It's your body's way of screaming at you, please. I know you've tried to stuff these painful moments and not deal with them and think they never, that you know, they weren't that big a deal and they're not really affecting you and you've moved past them, but your body's screaming at you. No, you haven't. These are killing us. Please go face the emotional trauma that you've suffered, whatever that trauma may have been. That's what anxiety is. So with all this isolation, I, this is one of my biggest fears. I, I'm more afraid of the emotional impact of the coronavirus than I am the virus itself. Because so many of us, one, aren't aware of this information, and two, we medicate through our jobs, through our working out, through all of our hobbies, to avoid experiencing and feeling the past trauma we've all suffered. And so now all that's being taken away from us. And so people are left alone and all of those feelings are surfacing. The loneliness, the isolation, they don't have an, a, an outlet. To, you know, whether it was drinking, drugs, work, whatever it may be, whether it's so-called a healthy outlet, they, no longer, they were using that to medicate the pain away. Well, that's gone. All of the, that stored trauma is coming out. I think that is the critical, I think it's a great opportunity for someone like myself because I think people are screaming for this information. And, and so my hope is this video gets to people because they're going to feel really lost and alone and go, what am I doing? I'm going crazy. And they're going to reach towards medicine and pills, which I'll get to in a second, is not the answer. It's going back and healing that emotional trauma. So... Do you get the difference? Stress, your, your, the fear, if you're struggling with fear, what you're struggling with is your brain has no current emotional pathway to register. It is not known. And so since this is all new information, that's what's creating all of your fear. Okay. If you're having, you're feeling incredibly anxious and having moments where all of a sudden you, you know, like you, You've forgotten about the coronavirus, you're living your life, but all of a sudden you get overwhelmed out of the blue. Like there's, it's not like you watched a news report or anything. You just all of a sudden got deathly afraid of you're going to die. Your friends are going to die. And you, you know, you feel all that anxiety. That's actually a sign of, of past trauma. And it, depending on the level of anxiety, severe trauma. Now I want to talk about something to break down um, kind of some barriers on this because over 80% of people because our, our society minimizes, suppresses, represses 
um, justifies and denies that we've been through pain in childhood, especially our childhoods. People just don't want to admit that their parents were imperfect. It's what they had to do to survive it. It's very common, um, but it's heartbreaking. The first thing I have to do is I have to give your amygdala new information so you don't shut me out. And so many people may have already pushed this show away because their amygdala was fired and gone, oh, new information. I don't want to hear about stress and anxiety. I don't want to hear about trauma. I don't want to go there. And so you may have already clicked out of the show. So the first thing I have to do is give your amygdala new information so it gets to what's known so it can calm down and start dealing with some of this stuff. So there, this comes from the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. It's the landmark study that was done in the early 2000s by Kaiser. It's been repeated multiple times. And it is the most comprehensive study on um, childhood experiences and how they impact us. But even the study is limited. A lot of the questions, they're only about severe abuse, not even you know typical garden variety abuse. And here's the basic questions they asked, okay? So they asked, did you, did you see or suffer any type of physical abuse in your home? Now that can be spanking, slapping, pushing a kid, slapping his hand away, you know, things like that. That's either happened to you or somebody in your family or your parents exhibited it or grandparents or any, anywhere in your family environment. Did you see physical abuse? Was there sexual abuse, whether covert or overt? Overt is where there was direct sexual abuse. Covert is things like my mom. She'd walk around in negligees. Um, my finding my mom passed out naked when she was drunk. That's sexual abuse. That's covert. It's not direct. You know, did your parents walk around naked? Things like that. That's sexual abuse. Now, they didn't get into those layers, but if you saw any of that, um, you know, the study stayed more basic. Emotional abuse, that can be abandonment, that can be, you know, single parent household, um, anyone yelling and screaming at you. If you have any sense of shame, if you make a mistake in your life at any point and you feel a deep sense of low worth, you know, or you say, God, I'm so stupid, something like that, you suffered emotional abuse growing up. Physical neglect, were your parents too busy to be there? Um, did they not hug you, say they loved you, things like that. Uh, emotional neglect, that's, you had a parent who was an addict, a single parent household, that's all emotional neglect. You weren't completely nurtured. Was there an exposure to domestic violence? And this is one of the things that upset me about the study is they asked only if you saw a man hit a woman, whether it was a wife, a, you know, grandparents, any of that. Well, studies now show that women are more abusive than men. Um, they were always more verbally abusive, but now they're becoming more uh, physically abusive and actually more, more, even more aggressive, like the types of physical abuse is much worse than men. So that wasn't even included in the study. So when you hear the conclusions of this, like these numbers are way underreported. So did you see any type of uh, domestic violence? Was there any type of substance abuse? Cigarettes, tobacco, um, uh, alcohol, drugs, pot, pills, um, you know, anyone sick or hurt a lot, anyone using substances, uh, anyone mental illness, did anyone have to see a counselor, was there depression, uh, they were on medication, bipolar, anything like that, did, was there any type of that, did your parents ever get separated or divorced, well that's over 50% of the population, 
was anyone incarcerated or, or have any issues with the law? Well, when they did this study back in the early 2000s, they found that 67% of the population had suffered at least one adverse childhood experience. All right, and like I said, these were limited questions. If they asked these questions incomplete, the, that number would be well above 90%, but they asked bare bones questions. So what that means is, see, a lot of people are afraid that we suffered, afraid to admit or talk about that we all suffered trauma in childhood because they, no one wants to say that about their parents or feel alone in it. But I tell you this to let you know, we all have. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to hide anymore. We need to bring this out of the closet and, and get this to be common knowledge and commonly accepted that our parents were perfectly imperfect. They adored us, but since we don't teach anything about this, they made a ton of mistakes that had long-lasting impacts on us, okay? And that's just an undeniable truth. We don't teach how to be a parent. So even if we did, they're human. They're going to hurt us. And we have to start facing that and dealing with that. Now, the thing is, if, if you had at least one of those experiences, 87% had two or more. Well, that the consequence of suffering those adverse childhood experiences has a direct correlation. Remember I said how the hippocampus, it stores our trauma in our body physically. Well, that skyrockets. Your people who, be, have, who then end up suffering with high-risk behaviors like smoking, alcohol, and drug abuse, promiscuity, obesity, <clears throat> all health issues, including anxiety, stress, depression, heart disease, cancer, chronic lung disease, shortened lifespan, the bottom line, what's killing all of us is childhood trauma. That's it. Your stress and anxiety is trauma from your childhood. Your fear and anxiety are trauma and childhood from your, your, geez, I'm really struggling. <laughs> they are caused by unaddressed trauma from your childhood. Now, I know that's tough to hear, and we don't want to admit that but that's the source of your fear and anxiety. And so if you want to get through this coronavirus, the secret is you have to deal with the source. You have to go back and heal that trauma. That's where all of, I just read it to you, like, and it's all over this report. We are sick and hurt and broken and struggle in our lives because of childhood trauma, nothing else. It all originates there. And that's why, now I'm gonna to get to medicine. <clears throat> because the common response for stress and fear and anxiety is to go get a pill. Well, the reason that's detrimental is the way those pills work, all the anxiety medications and everything is they elevate the parts of your brain that, that are the exact same parts of your brain that get elevated with addiction, addicted to, th you know, addiction to things like heroin. And, so what they're doing is they're creating, in most of the anxiety medications, um, are addictive. And so that's why also almost all of the um, anxiety medications have worse side effects than the original anxiety and fear they were meant to treat. And so they make you worse because that's what medicine does. Medicine almost always treats symptoms. It never treats the cause. And the cause, the proof I just gave you, it's been out there for decades. The proof 
of our pain and struggles in life is always childhood trauma, unaddressed childhood trauma. That's all it ever is. Now, for some, the major trauma happened later, a rape or something in college. But if you haven't processed that, that's why you're so afraid and anxious about this virus. If you truly want to get over that, that's the source. And I'm going to be giving you some solutions for that, okay? Now, here's the other problem with the medication, the withdrawal. Once you try and get off that stuff, it creates, an, the, the, because of the addictive natures of it, it creates symptoms that are even more, more anxious and more fear-laden than what you had originally. So going to your doctor and going, oh, and this is my biggest fear, is people are going to go running to the doctor for prescriptions to deal with all this. They're going to try and treat the symptoms and they're going to make themselves worse when what they need to do is, like the ACE study shows, is go deal with their childhood trauma. So let's get into solutions. For stress, um, the first thing to understand is what fear is. Stress, you know, that's one of the things, the misnomers is we as a society don't want to call things what they are because we don't want to deal with our trauma. That's why I'm doing this. I want to break that wall down. The clinical definition of stress is fear. You're having a fear reaction. Whenever you feel stressed, you are in white hot fear. And fear is always one of three things. It's either the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy. In other words, we don't think we have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something or the fear of powerlessness. Well, what's triggering everyone with the coronavirus isn't rejection. It's some inadequacy because this is, remember our brain, it doesn't, it knows known versus unknown. It doesn't know this. And so there's a, I don't have the skills, tools, or knowledge to really understand what's going on. But the primary fear everyone's struggling with is powerlessness. What do I do? I'm in, I'm, I've lost complete control. You've taken away my job. You've taken away my gym. Um, I don't have any information about this. I don't know what information to believe. I've lost complete control of my life. Well, that stems back to childhood. Again, remember what happened as a child. Our parents made all decisions for us. We had to do whatever they wanted. So when you're in fear, what you're reliving is that powerlessness experience of childhood. And when your parents told you no and made you do whatever you wanted or whatever they wanted, you're stuck in that. And so that's the first thing is to recognize, oh, I'm an adult. My parents aren't controlling me. But it's first an awareness of that's why you're so afraid and why you feel so powerless is it's reminding you, it's triggering you, that hippocampus, it's triggering the childhood feeling of being so powerless, okay? <clears throat> so the first thing to do is write down a list of, all the things in your life you can control, all right? You get to control whether you shower every day, like you're an adult now. So make a complete list of all the things in your life you have complete control over. Also make a list of all those things in your life you've overcome. You've done amazing things up to this point. Obviously, even with childhood trauma, you've gotten here. You're an incredibly capable person. You just need to remind yourself of that and create, do you see, just think of that. Think of, think of a moment right now the most powerful moment where you overcame all the odds. Can you feel that? Can you feel how strong and independent and empowered you feel? Do you see what I just did? I completely shifted your feeling reality. That's the solution, not thoughts. 
And that's why I want you to write those moments down because it's going to shift the way you feel about yourself. And that's what takes you out of fear. And it'll train the amygdala, the hippocampus, to recognize this as the new known. This becomes the learned feeling. Okay? The other thing I want you to do, or suggest, I don't, I don't need you to do it, um, I suggest you do it, is there's a great app called Insight Timer. It's free, and it's a meditation app. And it has all these guided meditations. And so meditation is the single greatest way to lower your fear, your amygdala. And so you can do a one minute to hour and a half long guided meditation or just silent meditation where it's just music and stuff. It's a great thing to do. Now that you have all this free time, try it. Now some people are like, ah, meditation, woo woo, don't want any part of that. Well, okay. Then this is another suggestion for you. Take your phone and every hour set an alarm to go off. And I want you to take 30 seconds just to sit and listen to yourself breathing. Just listen. That's all meditation is, is listening to your breath. And see, what happens when you do that is it flips a trigger in your brain. You can't think. When you listen to your breath, your brain actually cannot think at the same time. That will calm your amygdala down. Okay? So there are three, uh, three or four solutions to help you with your fear. Now, for those struggling with anxiety, <clears throat> this is going to be tough to hear, but your solution is trauma work, deep trauma work. It's going back through your life and reworking all that trauma. Now, in general, that has to be done with someone who's qualified, someone like myself or a therapist who can help you, one, discover and admit to yourself all the trauma you've been through and find the correlations because the way you act in your anxiety right now, those reactions, someone trained like myself will be able to, when you tell me the story of how you react, I will know immediately what happened in your childhood, and I'll ask questions so you, you most likely forgot it in most cases, but it'll help bring it back up so that you can reprocess it and reorient and retrain your hippocampus to not have that same fear reaction and release it from your body. So that's the first thing. Now, many people are hesitant to go work with someone, whether it's financial reasons, personal reasons. So I want to give you a couple of books that'll really help you. The first book is mine. Um, your journey to success. Now, I don't mean that in a self-promotion way, but I've read a ton of books, not every book out there, but I have yet to see a book, yet I have yet to see a book that will walk you through the complete process of why you struggle with fear and anxiety like mine. You will be able to immediately see your childhood and your current life, exactly what's going on. And I've never seen a book unwrap it like that and also give you the way out of it. Most books just tell you why you're imperfect or why you're bad or why things are wrong. Mine shows you how, and that's rare. And uh, that's why I suggest mine. The second book um, I'd like, I'd suggest you get is by Bessel van der Kolk. B-E-S-S-E-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-K-O-L-K. Bessel van der Kolk, and it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Whether you struggle with fear or anxiety, you're going to see how your body is screaming at you to show you the unprocessed trauma that you've been through. He also gives some great tips on how to process out that trauma yourself. A 
Okay, that's why I'm giving you this suggestion is if you want to go it alone, they give you some basic to do basic ways to do that. Now, those with severe anxiety, um, most of you don't realize they have PTSD. It's like uh, if you've watched my videos and stuff, I, I had a client, we filmed one of the sessions and, and he didn't realize he was, he's been stuck his whole life in PTSD. He bounced his leg a lot and he just thought, he, he, he said, well, it's because I have a lot of energy. I asked him a couple questions and um, we found out that when he was a child, someone broke into the house and he was stuck under the bed. And so he's had PTSD his whole life and never knew it. He just thought he bounced his leg. That's how we minimize, suppress, repress, and justify our trauma. And so the book by um, Peter Levine is called, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, the Unhealed Life. Shoot. Oh, darn it. I, I'm drawing a blank. I hope I come up with it. But look look for Peter Levine, PTSD. Um, and that book will really help you. And he gives you some great tips, things you can do. I've done them on myself. I had an ankle that I hurt as a kid, and I've never been able to walk right. Well, I did this simple exercise, and it's amazing. Your body starts shaking. Like, it literally, my body complete, like, I walk different. I had lifts in my shoes to fix my because I was all screwed up fixed everything and there was no emotional reaction nothing like it was it took up it was like this three-minute process and all of a sudden my body literally just started changing it was it was amazing I was like wow so those are great ways to help you overcome it okay so once again I just want to summarize if you're struggling with the fear over the coronavirus what you're struggling with is an element of past trauma um, that's being brought into the moment. And so the key is, is to get your power back. Use the tips and suggestions I gave you to retrain that part of your brain and body that will allow you to experience the feeling of empowerment, all right? If it's anxiety, then that, that my, you know, my heart breaks. I mean, my heart breaks for both people, but that's generally severe trauma that's been unaddressed, please. I know how scary this is. We have a society that doesn't like to talk about it or deal with it, and that's why I started this. I want to make it just our natural reaction to immediately go get help from an expert and, and make it actually common knowledge for everybody to know how to heal our trauma. That's really what I want to do is, is give people the skills, tools, and knowledge, remember inadequacy, the skills, tools, and knowledge to be their own coach and heal their own trauma. So if you're struggling with anxiety, the getting pills from the doctor won't do it. It may be a great temporary solution. I'm not telling you not to do that. But please be in reality that you're just treating the symptoms and not the cause. So please, when you're ready, go face that pain.